0: hopefully over the last few weeks uh, we've had some success in trying to figure out uh, what these authors, these writers, or these psalmists are really trying to communicate to us. And a lot of times what they're trying to do is they're trying to challenge our uh, presuppositions, our preconceived notions, or our beliefs about ourselves, about our world, and even about uh, God. And some of the things we've talked about so far, uh, for some of you who have been here, not all, everybody's been here, so just for an example of what we've talked about. Uh, some of the psalmists have told us that there are two paths in this world that we can take. And we have the great opportunity of getting to choose which path we want to take. And one of those paths is with God, or we can choose to live a life without God. The psalmists have also told us that uh, of the importance of God's word. That as followers of Jesus, or if you become a follower of Jesus, that God's word should be important in your life. It should be a priority for you uh, because that's what brings you into a life-giving relationship with God, and that's God's primary way of speaking to you uh, in our day and in our own time. We've also talked about how we need to be more reliant on God. We need to be dependent on God, not on ourselves and not on other people, but rather on God. Uh, we also talked about how, um, well, a couple, about two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, we, we talked about one question uh, of many questions that followers of Jesus have to be able to answer and uh, follow, people who are not followers of Jesus, the question they often ask and is why is it that bad people or why is it that evil people seem to prosper? Why do they have such a good life when you have other good, honest people who don't have a good life? Uh, they get the the, ter- the terrible end of the deal or the terrible uh, parts of life. Evil people and bad people seem to just do okay in life or do much better than that. Uh, we also talked about uh, about praising God. What does that mean, that we should do that also between uh, in good times and bad times? And then the last two weeks, we talked about God's help. That God's help is infinite. It's limitless. It's always there for us when we need it. And then last week, we talked about how God's help, uh, in order to ask God for help, uh, we have to trust Him. Uh, And because we trust Him, we're willing to receive the help He wants to give us, which is through His his guidance or His wisdom. That's how He wants to help us. And so, trusting Him allows us to embrace that or receive that. And that in coming to God, we don't have to, uh, we don't face any rejection or we shouldn't have any shame in coming to God for help because... God will love us uh, despite the things that have gone on in our life or despite the issues or problems that we might have. And so tonight we're going to be in Psalm 139, uh, maybe the last psalm, we don't know, we'll see. And so kind of move on to a whole nother thought here about what these psalmists are trying to communicate to us. And I'm going to start out with a question. Is it a good thing thing or a bad thing if someone knows everything about you? Or to put it in another way, maybe is it, do you find it encouraging or do you find it threatening to you uh, if someone knew everything that there was to know about you? Now just to clarify, when, when, I say, when I ask this question, it's not just knowing you at a surface level, knowing your name, knowing what kind of car you drive, knowing your favorite color, though I think that might be a deep question for some people. What's your favorite food? What are your likes and dislikes? Uh, Those kinds of questions. Your job, your major, whatever else. Those are very surface-level questions. But the thing I'm talking about here are those things that we keep locked and hidden inside of our hearts and inside of our minds Usually, those things are, are bad things, uh, things that we wouldn't be so proud of if other people found out that maybe that's the way we thought or those are the, some of the things that we've done in our past. And it's actually a really interesting thing to think about, you know, especially when we look into all of our lives and even in our world uh, and the fact that we really don't uh, mind knowing people, uh, excuse me, mind people knowing the deeper things about us if those things are positive. So if they're negative, we don't want anybody knowing about it. But if it's positive, uh, we're fine with everybody knowing everything there is to know about us. You know, our our world, and I'm not sure how it is in China, I don't know how it is in Taiwan, Vietnam, uh, you know, everywhere else, but at least for America, you know, we have this big fascination with psychics. And these are people who claim to know maybe what's going on in your present or they know what's going to happen in your future. So somebody might come to them and say, you know, I want to you know, know what my future is going to be like. You know, am I going to have a house? Am I going to find love? So am I going to find a husband or a wife? Uh, am I going to have a, a million dollars or a lot of money in the future or whatever else? Usually, the kinds of questions people ask are very positive things. And so the psychic comes off as knowing more than they probably should know and more than people ordinarily know. Uh, and I don't really believe in that stuff. And I, don't, I probably would assume that most of us in here don't believe it either, but for the most part, a lot of the things they try to reveal about the person who comes to the psychic, the very deep things, are usually very positive things, no, no, not really negative. And along with this, each and every one of us, you know, we don't have a problem telling other people the good things that have happened in our life. And so maybe, maybe you get a good grade on something. Maybe you get an award or you talk about your past accomplishments, uh, an award you're going to get in the future. Uh, really, we just love talking about ourselves. If it is just all positive, really good things, but you see, we're not very fond of, or we don't love the idea of talking about the bad things in our lives. Those things that we keep hidden, those things that we keep secret, that we think are, are a secret to maybe to God, but they're really not a secret uh, to Him at all. Uh, maybe secret to other people, and so we don't want people to know. You know, when we when we keep these things locked in our hearts. We don't want people to know that maybe we can't sleep at night. Maybe because we're anxious about the future or we're frustrated with some situation that's going on in our life. We don't want people to know that when we do other things for people that we have a hidden agenda or we have other motives uh, or we do it for selfish reasons. We do it only for ourselves to make ourselves look good. We don't want people to know that maybe we're dealing with some habitual sin or some wrongdoing in our lives that we just can't seem to get rid of. We keep that a secret. We keep it hidden. We don't want people to know that even though we look extroverted, we look outgoing to people, that we uh, feel all alone. We feel like we're the only person and kind of in our situation and nobody else can understand us. We don't want people to know that even though we look like a super confident person, that we have some insecurities in our lives. There are things that, uh, that, and events that have happened in our lives that we feel embarrassed about, but we don't want anybody to know about them. So knowing that there are a lot of good things in our lives and a lot of bad things in our lives as well that we don't want anyone to know, go back to this question here. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing that someone knows everything that there is to know about you? And I think this is what brings us to Psalm 139. And Psalm 139 was written by King David, who has written a lot of the psalms that we've talked about so far. So it's just another psalm of David. And we know, if we know anything about David's life, we know David really had a mixed bag of life. He had some good things that happened in his life, uh, and he had some bad things happen. He saw times where God was really working in his life, but then he also saw times where he was suffering because of uh, the consequences of his own decisions, uh, what he chose to do with his life. But David is going to answer a similar question to this. But the subject is not just going to be someone, some random person. But it's going to phrase it this way. Is it a good or bad thing if God knows everything that there is to know about you? And he's going to encourage us to really rest in the fact that just because God knows everything about us, that doesn't change the way that he loves us. He still cares for us and loves us the same, despite the bad things and even the good things that we are going to do, or are do, have done, are doing, or will do uh, in our lives. And so we're going to go to Psalm 139. So if you're there, I'm going to read through it and give some commentary as we go through there, okay? Uh, okay, I know you can do it. Will you do it? Thank you. Uh, starting in verse one. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. And the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So God is all present here. Then verse 13, For you created my inmost being. Uh, You knit me together in my mother's womb. So we're intricately woven. Great care has gone into making each and every one of us. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God's all creative here. Verse 19, if only you, God, would slay the wicked, Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So in that last section, God is seen as holy. Now, one of the two verses I wanted to talk about real quick, it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with, um, well, I guess it does have to some extent, because I'm going to talk about it, uh, but it won't be the focus of what we're talking about. But oftentimes you go to verse 13 through 14, and I'll read it again. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So in our current uh, culture here in the United States, one of the, the big issues, one of the hot-button topics that we talk about all, all the time is abortion. And these are the two verses that we will often refer to when we're talking against abortion. Because when we look at how God has created each and every one of us, He has taken great care in creating you, 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 you and me. Not you, you, but... Oh, you and you, you, but not that, that, that just you, you, Okay. But he's taken great care in creating each and every one of us. And he's given all of us a very unique purpose to live out on this earth. And so he, he's telling us of the value of the unborn life uh, that is in a mother's womb. He tells us of how wonderfully he created them. And so we as humans have no right to decide when uh, and where or whatever else when a life should actually be born or a life should be aborted. We have no right to do that. But oftentimes we like to play God. We play God with that or even with euthanasia, which a lot of us are familiar with. You know, Maybe at the end of, end of life, someone is going to be you know, put to death or something like that. That's what, this could also be used for that as well. And so God, life is precious. No matter what stage of life it is so. Just wanted to, to make note of that. That's uh, so. If you're ever wondering what, what does the Bible say about that, verses thirteen and fourteen are really important verses, um, kind of in that in that subject there. So David begins by giving us or the sort of the purpose or his vision for Psalm one thirty nine. Uh, he says this. He says, "You have searched me, Lord, and you know me." Now again, he doesn't just know the surface level stuff. Of course, he knows David's name, knows his favorite color, knows his food, dislikes uh, and likes, and all of that. But not just that. He knows even the hidden things. He knows the secret things, the things that he doesn't want anybody else to know, the things that he thinks perhaps are a secret from God, or he's keeping a secret from God, but he's not really doing that at all. So David is affirming that God, at the very beginning here, that God is all-seeing, that God is all-knowing. A big word that we use, me and Robin and other people might use this big word, but we say that God is omniscient. Uh, It just means that God knows everything that there is to know. Everything that has happened is happening or will happen. God has that knowledge uh, of what's going to occur. But that knowledge that that God is showing here, or that David is affirming about God, he says it's, it's too wonderful. It's too lofty to attain. So if you think of a goal that maybe someone else set in their life and you say to yourself I'm never going to reach that so that's the way David feels with God's knowledge he sees that God knows so much it's this goal up here that he's never going to attain he's never going to be able to know as much as God knows and so David feels sort of entrapped by God's love and often when we use that word it really it means like you're, you feel tricked or you feel seduced or something but really for David it's a really positive thing He loves the fact that he is surrounded by God and that God actually knows everything that there is to know about him. And so God's knowledge then leads him to say the next thing where he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? So God is not just all seeing. He doesn't just know everything. But another big word we use is that God is omnipresent, that God is everywhere. So, if you think about the darkest place on earth, the deepest depths of space, if you think about the darkest part of your soul, God is there. God is never absent from any part of our life. God is not absent in any physical place on this earth. And so, David affirms that as well. And so, he also affirms not just the knowingness of God, that God knows everything, that God's everywhere. But he also tells us that God is all creative and that God is also all holy. So God is all creative in that he's created each and every one of us with a very unique purpose uh, with, uh, and he's, he's tra- taken great care in doing that as well. And then he also tells us that God is all holy. Now, we talked about God's holiness like a few months ago. Now, holiness, the God's holiness, means that he's perfect. So it's God's perfectness. And so when you think about everything that we refer to God as, so if we refer to God as love, or refer to him as merciful, or we refer to him as just, his holiness, his being perfect, is what defines those things. And so if God is love, God shows perfect love towards us. If God is a just God, God is perfectly just Towards us, And if God has mercy, he's got perfect mercy, a holy mercy, so it's perfect towards us. And so in this case here, when we know that God is holy, we get to a point in our lives where we can pray like David prayed for God to, to search him and to show him the things in his life that are not pleasing to God, or the areas of his life where he's not living like he should be living, like God wants him to live. And so God's all holy. And God's task is to even do that in our own hearts and in our own minds. So God looks deep within us to look at those things. And so David is encouraging us to, to really rest in the fact that God knows everything there is to know about us. And he welcomes us to, uh, or invites us to, invite him into our life uh, to be able to search us, to be able to look into the depths of our hearts, to look into the depths of our minds, to figure out the ways in which we maybe are blind uh, to those ways that we're not living like God wants us to live. And so this truth, I think, has been uh, evident, I think, since the beginning of the Bible. Uh, You know, God knowing everything that there is to know. You go back to Genesis chapter 3, and this is what we refer to as the fall. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with that term or what that is in the story, and we're actually uh, going to start Genesis. That We're going to go through the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, uh, starting in two weeks. So that's what we're going to do then. We're going to go through all these kinds of stories. You'll get more in-depth stuff about it. But really what the fall is, I often characterize it as, and if you understand the story, maybe this will be funny, maybe not. But I always look at Genesis 3, the fall, as the first time in history that a woman was ever wrong. And so, because if you look at the story, what happens in there is that the serpent, the snake, comes and he tempts uh, the woman. Uh, God had told them not to eat of the fruit of this tree, uh, but they, she chose to. The serpent tempted her, and she uh, decided to partake of the fruit. And he did that by convincing her that maybe God really didn't say that. And so she still, she's like, oh yeah, maybe he didn't say that. So I'm going to eat the fruit. And so she did. And then the man came over, probably was shocked by the fact that she actually did this. And she convinced him to partake of it as well. And so he ate of the fruit. And we had done, uh, Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, had done what was contrary to what God wanted them to do. And so what did they do? they decided to hide themselves, thinking that God wasn't going to be able to find them in the garden when, in the story, they are the only two people that are in the garden. And so here's what it says. It says that, "...then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord, the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, "'Where are you?' he answered. "'I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid,' because I was naked, so I hid. So even though it might seem like God doesn't know what's happening here, he's asking those questions because he's trying to get these people to admit that they've actually done something wrong and to actually reveal where they are. Like they're actually going to come here and admit to God that they've done something completely wrong and they tried to hide from him in the first place. So as you can see from the beginning of the Bible, it's always been, I guess, humanity's. Goal to make sure that nobody knows really the bad things that happen in our lives. We like to keep those things hidden. We like to keep those things really secret uh, and thinking, again, that that it's a secret from God, yet God knows everything. And so going back to that question, see, I think I have a slide for it. Instead of just a general someone, so the question's now for you, is it a good or bad thing that God knows everything that there is to know about you. Now, I think for some people, I think it it could be a bad thing. I think because at times, maybe, uh, we have a bad perception of God. We have a bad understanding of who He is, a bad idea of who He is. Maybe uh, because of our childhood, or maybe how we were raised by our parents, that maybe we look at God as the kind of God who wants us to mess up. He's waiting for us to mess up then maybe sometimes he makes it it's so difficult to follow him that he, know, he sets us up for failure. So maybe we think that, or maybe we think he's going to use all our mistakes, all of our wrongdoings later in life uh, against us. Maybe, maybe you say, well, if I ask God for help, he's going to say, well, you did this one thing, that one time, this bad thing, and so I can't help you. I'm not going to help you. Other times we, we might view God as the kind of person who's maybe waiting around the corner waiting for you to mess up and then to hit you over the head with, some, with a bat or something uh, to punish you uh, because you've done something so wrong, you deserve this punishment. So maybe we look at God like that. But we know that's not God at all because when we look at the Bible, uh, the entire Bible, no matter where you look, God loves us despite knowing those things that we've done, the things that we have done, the things we are doing or the things that we will do that we seem to keep hidden from other people or keep a secret, um, maybe like we think, uh, from God. Now, some of us also think, I I think that it might might be a bad thing that God knows everything about us uh, because some of us are in denial of some things that are going on in our life. Uh, Maybe, uh, you know, there's some secret or hidden thing that's going on. You don't want to have to admit it, and if God knows it, And even if you think about it in general, just like another person, if another person knows you did something wrong, it's hard for you to keep denying that. At some point, you're going to have to admit it. So if God knows everything that there is to know about you, it's going to be kind of hard to stay in denial if we really believe that he knows it. But we like to keep these things hidden still. And we'd much rather talk about other people's wrongdoings. We'd rather talk about other people's sins. We'd rather talk about what everybody else is doing wrong because that just seems more interesting. That just seems more fun uh, to do. And so we want to indulge in that instead. But we don't ever want to talk about the bad things in our lives. We never want to reveal the hidden things that are going on in our hearts and in our minds. So for God, again, to know those things means we actually have to admit that we have a problem. We have to admit that there are some things in our lives that, or this areas of our lives, where we're not living like God wants us to live. And so uh, David tells us in verse 10, he says, Even there, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. So David is telling us that we can be safe and secure in God's presence and in God's love. So we don't have to live in denial of the things that we've done wrong. Uh, We also don't have to think that God is just waiting for us to mess up. He's telling us that we can feel safe and secure and we're not going to be rejected because God will still love us the same. Now, why, why would it be a good thing that God knows everything about us? And I'm not sure if you came up with an answer for this question, if it was a good thing or bad thing that God knows everything about you. But why would it be a good thing that God knows everything that there is to know about you? Why would he want to know us so intimately? Why would he want to know us so closely as David seems to affirm here? And I I think that really is because God created us. And he created us, each and every one of us, with a specific purpose uh, to carry out on this earth, a specific purpose that only you can uh, it only been assigned to you that only you can fulfill and he understands everything that there is to understand about us you know because if you if you look in your life you now you probably have a boss that maybe doesn't understand you maybe you have a parent or a spouse who can't see where you're coming from or uh, even a sibling or maybe just something someone else in your life that doesn't quite understand you and so that may occur in our lives but God knows us fully He knows our likes and dislikes, but he also knows those hidden things. He also knows those secret things that we like to keep from other people. And he also understands us. He understands us far more than any person in our lives. Because the only person in your lives is probably like a spouse or a parent or a sibling probably knows you the best and probably would have the best chance of understanding you. But God is above them and understands you even more fully than those people in your life. And because he knows us and designed us, he knows exactly what we need moment by moment in our lives. And so he knows our cares and worries. And so in those times, he can give us peace. Uh, He knows the things that challenge our faith, that challenge our belief in him, and so he gives us the strength to live our faith out. He knows the deep and hidden things that we like to keep secret from other people, but he gives us the uh, confidence to be able to, to tell other people and even to admit them to God himself. And he also knows our thoughts, our hidden agendas, our hidden motives and other things. And so he gives us also the strength there to be able to admit to other people, to admit to God that there are some things in our lives that uh, where we're not living, like God wants us to live. And so he still loves us the same, no matter what. Uh, There's a famous Bible teacher that a lot of you might be familiar with. His name's A.W. Tozer. And he once said this. He says, Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nevertheless, he is the one who loves you the most. So in other words, uh, God knows everything about us. He knows the good things and the bad things in our lives. And he still loves us the same. He still loves us despite those things in our lives. And so now, how do, we, how do we live in light of God's knowledge? How do we live knowing that God knows everything that there is to know about each and every one of us in this room? I think the first thing we can do is to be amazed by it. You look at David, and David was very amazed by God's knowledge. Uh, He tells us that it's too wonderful for him. Again, it's too lofty for him to attain. So it's like this far-reaching goal. He's never going to know as much as God knows. And we should be amazed because when you think about it, there are even little details that we don't know about each other in this room, yet God knows every detail about our lives. What has happened, what is happening, and what will happen uh, in our lives. I think we should also be, be comforted uh, by, what God, uh, by, by, by God's knowledge in Psalm 139. God knew each and every one of us fully, and he still chose to die for our sins. God still chose to send his son Jesus down to this earth to die for the sins of the world so that we could spend eternity with him. We could have eternal life now. We could have this peace, joy, uh, and everything else with Jesus now and also have eternal life in the future. So God still did all of that, despite knowing the bad things that we have done, are doing, or will do, and despite whatever good things you think you can do to earn God's salvation uh, in your life. We also should be convicted. Now, some of us, who may or not may not be followers of Jesus. Uh, this word might sound pretty foreign to you. Uh, to, to be convicted in the Earthly sense, or if you just go down to the courthouse here, go to a judge, uh, to be convicted is to be proven guilty of an offense or something you've done wrong. In the Christian sense, when we start talking about conviction, usually what that refers to is as an awareness, an internal awareness by God's Holy Spirit, an internal awareness of the of sin in our lives. Those areas of our lives are those things that we're doing. Uh, that are contrary to what God wants us to do. So I think to some extent, because God knows everything, or I guess to the fullest extent, because God knows everything, I think we should be convicted uh, by that fact. Convicted by the fact that there are things in our lives that that God doesn't want us to do. And so you see, God knows everything. He knows the things uh, that we do and that we feel convicted of. He also knows those other things that we feel convicted of, yet we still do those things, those things we know we shouldn't be doing, and we feel in our hearts, we know God is telling us not to do it, we still do it anyway. And so we need to be like David. We need to begin praying, as he does in 23 to 24. He says, "Search me, God, and know my heart. Lead me in the way everlasting." And so we need to let God into our heart and minds to reveal those things uh, where we're living contrary to the way He wants us to live. And so now I want to challenge you all to something. You know, do you really believe that God knows everything about you? I'm convinced that all of us, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might or would agree with that statement that God does know everything about us. But how many of us actually believe that and it actually affects the way we live? Uh, What if we not only believed that God knew everything about us and uh, we actually lived as if that were completely and totally true? And then maybe, just maybe, what we worry about uh, wouldn't seem so difficult. And maybe, just maybe, those secret or hidden sins that we deal with wouldn't seemingly overwhelm us or overtake us. And those insecurities in our lives, you know, that we don't reveal to others... Uh, They wouldn't be able to take away our confidence, the confidence that we have in God. And so you see, God knows everything. He doesn't just know us on a surface level, but he knows the very deep things about us. And he still loves us despite all of those things. Let's pray. Well, God, thank you so much uh, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that um, we can always come to you for help, We can always come to you uh, for anything that we ever need. And so, Lord, I just want to pray for anybody here, Lord, that anything that's deep within us, Lord, that's hidden or secret, Lord, that you can help us with, Lord, we pray that we can have the confidence and the strength and the courage uh, to be able to bring those things to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.